there's this video I can't stop thinking about. It got posted on YouTube after the Christchurch shootings last spring. An American guy living in the Philippines, his name is Jim Watkins. He stares straight out at the camera. Piano music plays in the background. Condolences to the victims of the New Zealand shootings. So many pious folks lost because of psychotic rage. Jim Watkins is an older guy with mutton chops and a mustache. He's got these bushy eyebrows that are combed up to make little points above his glasses. Videos like this one, they've become a bit of a ritual for this guy. After shootings in Texas and Ohio this summer, he was at it again. What a sad weekend. I just finished watching the President of the United States give his condolences to the families of the victims of the El Paso Walmart shooting and the Dayton, Ohio shooting. His speeches seem like they're a sick kind of joke, if you could only figure out what the joke is. It is indeed such a sad day and time in the history of the world. The worst sort of monster shoots up random people, that it is the fact that insanity is obviously involved. He communicates bizarrely. I, I, I don't really know what's going on in the dude's head. Robert Evans watches these videos as part of his job. He covers extremism and the internet. And when that's your beat, Jim Watkins is pretty important because he owns 8chan, the message board that's become known for being the place mass shooters post their manifestos, where conspiracy theorists radicalize. Jim Watkins calls his message board the darkest reaches of the internet. He's the one who was responsible, at least, for making the new name, of, like the new like motto of 8chan, Embrace Infamy, which it was before the site got taken down. And I think he, uh, I think he liked that. I was thinking about how I would describe Jim Watkins to my parents. And I'm like, he's this weirdly powerful guy, but he could only be powerful in this particular moment in time. Yeah, and I, I think power has a lot to do with it. Jim Watkins isn't apologizing in these videos. He's explaining. He's defending. Saying even if these mass shooters did post their manifestos on his website, even if they came to 8chan to share links to their live-streamed terrorism, well, that's free speech. He's, uh, uh, I think, trying to build a place for himself within kind of the broader, you know, right-wing MAGA internet, so to speak. But he's not very good at it. Like, he's not a person, if he didn't own 8chan, nobody would be paying attention to Jim Watkins, which I think he knows. But this week, he's been back in the news because his infamous message board is back online. But not before Robert Evans and a handful of other journalists and activists tried to kick 8chan off the internet for good. Today, Robert's going to explain why his effort failed and what the return of this notorious message board says about why online conspiracies and hate speech are so difficult to control. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person 
anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 8chan, this message board, chat room, online forum. It's been in limbo since the summer. The companies who were providing all the services that made 8chan a functional website, they got uncomfortable having it as a customer. So they evicted it from their internet real estate. But 8chan still exists, safely housed on a bunch of servers, waiting to be plugged back in. This week, Jim Watkins, the guy from those weird videos, he tried to do just that. Is 8chan back online? Can you just characterize what's happening right now? Because I think people are hearing differing reports. So right now it is effectively down. It could be back up by the time people hear this podcast. It's been up and down for days as it gets deplatformed and they find a new place to host. I don't know what's going to happen in the long run. Uh, I can tell you at the moment I cannot access the site, but I was able to yesterday. Watkins has actually rebranded 8chan. He's now calling it 8coon. But this new site, it still has the same basic DNA from back when 8chan first came to life. It was the fever dream of a precocious and kind of lonely teenager. Can you tell me the story of how this teenager got involved in creating 8chan? Well, Frederick Brennan is, you know, he's a very online young man. He spent a lot of his time on 4chan. He was, he was someone who the internet was kind of his primary method of of social of being social. He has a condition called brittle bone disease, which means that he, he can't get around the way many can. Yeah. And he's also a very good coder. And uh, he took mushrooms one day and uh, was struck with the idea of creating uh, infinite chan as opposed to 4chan. And, and so he, he built this website coded it while he was still tripping on mushrooms and released it to the internet as sort of a, uh, a kind of radical free speech haven because he was kind of, you know, th- that was something he was really uh, a, a believer in at that point. And a number of different boards are started, including Baphomet, which is dedicated to harassing people and doxing them. And, you know, Pole, which becomes this Nazi haven. These are all part of 8chan. They're all part of 8chan. They're all different. And there's other communities. There's like anime discussing communities. There's left-wing politics discussions. It's not all toxic or whatever. Like it's it's a, it's a pretty sizable site. But the chunks of it that are toxic are the most toxic places on the internet. Um, you know, kind of things get more extreme as the years go on. And after it's been up like a year or so, because it grows very large, it becomes a huge uh, burden to, to Frederick just to keep online. Because number one, it's not coded perfectly. Obviously, he was on mushrooms when he made it. Um, and number two, it's just it's a very large site. And running a site of that size when you're a single person is a, a, an insurmountable task, really. And Jim Watkins buys it and hires him and flies him to the Philippines and you know, basically says, like, I'll give you this new life working for me if you keep this site up. And Jim Watkins and Frederick Brennan, they end up living down the street from each other in the Philippines operating this image board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim buys him like a, a or, or pays for his condo or whatever. Like that was part of the deal. Like he comes in as an employee and it was his job to, to maintain this site and Jim would fund everything. When did Frederick Brennan notice the site taking a turn? Um, and I, 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 By the time he was out in 2016, it's this, you know, again, kind of an extreme and I would say very gross place on the Internet, but it hasn't killed anyone. And it, it's not super relevant. 
it took the 2016 presidential race to make 8chan more relevant. That's when users began to spread these odd memes. They combined anti-Semitic and racist symbols. Donald Trump eventually retweeted one of them. And then 8chan became linked with a prolific conspiracy theory. QAnon. Can you just give me a a picture of what I should see in my head when people talk about Q and QAnon? You know, it's uh, the best thing I could say is it's a cult. The idea that it started with is this person who is claiming to have Q clearance, which is like a high level military top secret type clearance. So it's a person claiming to be a member of the military establishment in the United States uh, or the intelligence establishment with like access to secret data who claims that basically Donald Trump was elected as the result of the military working secretly to free the United States from this cabal of pedophiles and dark wizards who ran, run the U.S. government. And they believe Hillary Clinton's one of these pedophile wizards and Barack Obama is. It's very dumb. It's very, very, very dumb. Um, but it because it's this online community, the QAnon conspiracy theory spreads largely among people who never would have found 8chan otherwise. So 8chan is like mo- mostly very young, very internet kind of savvy, extremely online people. QAnon brings in a lot of older folks, a lot of people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who don't really get the internet, but believe in the conspiracy and, and latch onto it. And there's a lot of things that make it like a cult. One of them is that because these people's beliefs get so extreme and are so uh, divorced from reality, many of them alienate their families. And it gets to the point where a lot of them, the only cult social network they have are other people who are into QAnon and sort of like trying to secretly pull apart these these Q drops, which is like Q providing these hints on what's happening next and who's getting arrested next and whatever. What does a Q drop look like? You know, it, it all... I'll read you one. The very first one, I think, was Hillary Clinton will be arrested 7.45 a.m., 8.30 a.m. EST on Monday, the morning of on October 30th, 2017. Uh, HRC, Hillary Clinton, extradition already in motion, effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged, effective 10.30 at 12.01 a.m. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. Like uh, it's stuff like that. Um, and it, uh, usually it's more cryptic. Early on, he was more specific and made specific predictions, which obviously didn't come true. Let me find a more recent one. Like they, they've they've just been incredibly cryptic uh, and have focused on so, like, like in a way that you can kind of interpret them to be anything. So it, it becomes this community and they develop their own words for things and their own language, essentially, which is another key aspect of a cult. And 8chan is the one place where Q will appear, right? And so it becomes this relationship that's really important because 8chan is reliant on QAnon to bring in all these users you're talking about, people who normally wouldn't be on this message board. And it is the only place on the Internet that you can hear from this particular person, male or female, we don't know who they are. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, QAnon has gotten more and more dangerous as it's as it's gone on. These people believe that, like, it's kind of an apocalyptic utopian cult. They believe that when Trump arrests all these people and the deep states finally defeated that they'll a lot of them think they'll get jobs in the CIA. But they also believe that, like, 
all of their problems essentially are a result of this evil deep state cabal. So when Trump try, finally fixes everything, like then you know the, the the world will be perfect and they'll be able to like get their families back and be happy. You're speaking about the people who are engaged with this. I mean, you're characterizing what they're saying. It sounds like nonsense, but why do you think this is so appealing to people? Because these are people with motivations. I mean, I, I just feel like it's hard because what you're laying out does sound so extreme. Any, any cult, if you if you look at like what they believe, sounds nuts uh if you're not inside the cult but like when when you're inside like part of what makes a cult a cult is that there's this reality distortion field when you're inside it and everything's very internally consistent inside the cult and when you're locked into a situation like that it becomes emotionally very dear to you and the idea of being pulled out of it is one of the most frightening things you can imagine. What's being said in QAnon, like the core of the conspiracy, is so absurd that sometimes you just have to shake your head at it. But it's very serious to me. And I, I, I really worry about these people and I feel for them because they're not, like like any members of a cult, these are not uh, on balance happy people. These are people who are missing something in their life and this community provides it for them. And that's very dangerous. People who see danger here They've now got their eyes trained on Jim Watkins, and in particular, on the internet infrastructure he's using to try and bring HN back from limbo. He owns a, co- a number of companies. One of them is NT Technology, and it sort of registers this new domain, 8kun, and it becomes very clear through you know technical things that are happening and being filed that he's trying to bring 8chan back under a new name. You know, he, they put up test pages and stuff as they like, because it, it, it's it's quite a process to launch a site of this size with this long, big of an archive and whatnot. So you can see them sort of doing it. So it's very obvious to everyone for weeks that he's trying to bring the site back. And there's this battle that gets fought as he's trying to host, finding different hosts for it and stuff to get them to deplatform him and drop him. You can deplatform 8chan. Evicted from the internet again and again, but to really get rid of it, you'd have to grab its servers. That's where all the data that makes up this message board lives. So a bunch of activists started hunting around for them, and they found them, being held by a company called Centauri Communications, just outside of San Francisco. Turns out Centauri's business license had been suspended. They hadn't been paying their taxes. So the activists figured, hey, this is our in. They started talking to a California congresswoman, asking, can you send a letter to the attorney general? Because if you send a letter, law enforcement can seize this company's servers. And 8chan, the wandering homeless website inspiring shootings and spreading hate speech, it could be booted from the internet permanently. But that effort failed. The letter never got sent. The congresswoman's office got scared. The reason they don't send the letter is that they're worried about getting swatted. Now, getting swatted is when a group of people on the Internet, there's someone they don't like, and they call in uh, false reports to the, the police near that person saying like, oh, this person has a hostage. This person is domestically abusing. They have a gun. They're doing something illegal and dangerous. And literally a SWAT team can come to your door and people have been hurt. And, and killed. This has killed people before. So this is a real danger. Um, they're not fearing this for no reason, but they don't do anything because of this fear. What's interesting about your article is that you have all these text messages back and forth 
And it's very clear that both sides of the conversation understand the stakes involved. The fact that these servers are really critical to a particular kind of hate speech online and everyone's interested in doing something. And then all of a sudden, the legislative staff member starts saying, we need to coordinate with the police because we're scared about being swatted. And it's it's kind of stunning that this person who is theoretically in, in charge, who has some standing and power in the state, they themselves are they're fearful of the people online coming after them. Yeah, this is a, a Congress person uh, and their staff. And if anyone should be able to communicate directly with law enforcement to make sure that a swatting doesn't happen, it's it's them. Uh, and the fact that if, 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 again, if an elected leader with that kind of protection, that kind of communication with law enforcement is afraid of these people but for that specific reason, what hope do the rest of us have of dealing with them? You know, HM may never come back online, but this sort of thing will happen again. And it, these people now know that members of the American government are too scared to intervene. Uh, that's not a good situation in my mind. Hmm. The day after the last interaction that this activist had with the legislative staff, someone posted on Twitter pictures of 8chan servers being yeah. loaded into a car. Yeah, and driven to, we don't exactly know where. From all we can tell, they're not in California anymore. So that chance has been missed. Yeah. So Jim Watkins, 8chan, 8kun, have they outsmarted the efforts that so many people have put forward to try to, you know, keep them quiet? Not necessarily. They have in part. They've certainly outsmarted the, the government. The site is still not up because they're, they're, they're being continually deplatformed. It's possible that we will, this battle will be won in terms of like keeping 8chan offline. It's possible they won't get back on, but it's also possible that they'll come back. You're describing this effort on your behalf, but then also other people, um, especially Frederick Brennan, who founded the site. It's not it's not quite journalistic. It's more of an activist role where you're going from company to company, being a kind of detective, looking for where they might be popping up a server and getting an internet connection and then swarming in and trying to mitigate that. Yeah, you know, there's there's a place for pure objectivity and not getting directly involved with a story. And that place is before 75 people are dead. At a certain point, it became more important to me to keep 8chan off the internet than it did to just continue writing about them and not trying to um, have any sort of direct impact. I don't want any more people to get killed. I don't want any more manifestos to spread. And I don't want this cult to continue to grow because all of these things very much worry me. So we got involved. I got involved and, you know, Frederick had been for a while and just trying to keep this this thing off the Internet. And there, there were a lot of different people, um, I should say, involved with this process. You know, in the article that you wrote just this week, you do talk about a different shooting, a shooting in Germany. And it has all the earmarks of being an 8chan-inspired shooting, even though 8chan was down while it happened. And it just made me wonder, is taking down the site, how much will it help? Will it prevent these kind of hate crimes from happening? 
there will be more 8chan-inspired shootings, regardless of whether or not the site comes up, because there are a number of people who were radicalized on the site before it went down. But almost nobody knows about the Hall shooting, and that manifesto didn't really spread. Uh, the stuff that he was trying to go viral, you know, as a result of his shooting, none of that spread out into the mainstream culture in the way that any of the other shootings did. Because there's not this central place for people to, you know, deify the shooter as a saint. They call them saints, all the, the people who commit mass shootings from A-Chan. And without that central community, the shooting had less of an impact, both in terms of a, a cultural impact. It had less of a, an impact on people's psyches. And it had less of an ability to sort of radicalize other people and inspire other people. And that also means that sort of people will be less inclined to commit these massacres. I think there will be fewer of them because part of what people want to do is feel like they're part of this movement. And if the core, the, the central organizing place of the movement is down, then there's no way to feel like you, you just feel like a lone person murdering people. And that's not how these people want to feel. They don't want to just be a lone gunman killing people. They want to feel like a soldier in a war. So what do you think is going to happen in the next few weeks? You've mentioned how it feels like you're talking about this website starting up like a you're trying to get the engine to turn over, like it's up for a few hours and then it's down, it's up, it's down. I mean, what do you think happens next year? I have no idea. I really have no idea. I think there's probably about a 50 percent chance that they find a way to, to bring the website back online. If not, eventually some other community will provide this thing that 8chan provided to its users, and this whole process will start over again eventually. This is not going to end anytime soon. Robert Evans, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Robert Evans is an investigative journalist for Bellingcat. He also hosts the podcast Behind the Bastards for iHeartMedia. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Mara Silvers. Tomorrow in the morning, it is What Next TBD with Lizzie O'Leary. And I'll be dropping into the feed a little bit later with your impeachment news roundup. Till then, I am Mary Harris. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 